Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Okay, that is six in a row, I think. Six in a row, six losses in a row by the Raptors to the Detroit Pistons. They lose this one, 108 to 106. And these games, it's a good thing that the Raptors played the Nets when they were missing guys because the Raptors are missing guys too. Obviously in this game, no Van Vliet, no Thad, no OG. And so they're doing this case study night in and night out of how far can you get in this version of the NBA 2022 where there you have no jump shooting. And by no jump shooting, I really mean it because Gary Trent Jr. hoisted up 23 shots, 15 threes, and he shot 17% from the four. The Raptors, they, they went seven of 26 from three, man. It, it was incredible the way that the Raptors tried to figure this defense out. And Dwayne Casey deserves credit for getting some offense out of the Pistons because they're a bad offensive team too. But the thing here is the Raptors are easy to defend when this is the roster makeup. And this shows how archetypes are valuable in the league. And that's one of the the most concerning things about this stretch of basketball whenever Fred and OG make their way back into the lineup because Anthony Davis, for example, he can't initiate above the break very often. And, you know, he's he's one of the best players in the league when he has it going, but he can never really initiate above the break. So teams know where he has to get the ball and they can kind of deny that and they can load up on that accordingly. And especially if teams are okay with letting Anthony Davis's teammates shoot the ball and they're really bad shooters. And, you know, even if they have a good shooter, he shoots really bad. They can they can coordinate where he gets the ball, how hard they want to press to when he gets the ball and where they want to rotate from. It's not like Anthony Davis can take a pick and roll and come downhill and start dictating what happens there. The same thing applies to Pascal Siakam, even though he's a much better above-the-break initiator than Anthony Davis, he doesn't have like a fluid pull-up jumper and he's a bigger guy. So he doesn't have the conventional downhill stuff of like a, you know, a great driving guard like De'Aaron Fox or something as good a driver as Pascal is. And in this game where he gets 28 points on 10 of 15 shooting, gets the line for 10 free throws, hits eight. He works so hard to squeeze into spaces and make sure that he could find offense for anybody. But the two assists that isn't a proper reflection of how much attention he was able to garner. It's just a reflection of how little shooting there was in this game. And the Pistons, they didn't double him from the, you know, from the middle so that there's a cutting lane to the hoop. No, they just double him from the top. So guys have to hit a jumper or they have to drive into the teeth of an already squished together Pistons defense. And the Raptors, as currently constructed, 
don't have anybody who can do either if Gary Trent Jr. is going to shoot four for 23 and Pascal's not the guy getting the pass to drive in. They're so limited. I mean, that's like Cade Cunningham had a much easier time in this game getting downhill and creating like corner three-pointers for his team than Pascal Siakam did in this game. Why is that? Because the Raptors didn't want to switch everything. Cade Cunningham can get downhill. The Raptors rotate accordingly. But the Pistons on the other end just switch everything across the top. And they don't really care if Corey Joseph gets switched on Siakam because they're just going to bring a lot of help anyway. They're like, well, if you leave Siakam's hands, then, you know, it's a win. And Gary Trent Jr. shooting four for 23, so it doesn't matter. And in this game, we saw the Pistons switch across a bunch of stuff. And that's why you see, like, sometimes in these games, you see Pascal Siakam seems like he's rushing. It's because he is. Because he knows he's a star. He has to score the ball. And it's, you know, the team is just going to suck if he's just passing out of doubles all the time because the players around him aren't good enough to take advantage of the four-on-three situations that follow. That's Dems the breaks. And so he's rushing sometimes to get into spots because he notices for a second there's just this slim chance that he might be able to take advantage of single coverage. And it's incredible that he got to 28 points in this game without any three-point shots considering how much paint packing the Pistons did. And therein lies why the Raptors lost this game for the most part. Like a guy like Kim Birch going one for five from the field when the Raptors get as lucky as they can and get like an eight-foot push shot or a, a five- or six-foot push shot, you can't miss those because they're worth their weight in gold. And Birch goes one for five. He's has a poor defensive outing as well. The Raptors just, they can't sustain that. And the reason why they're able to make their big run at the end, largely because Pascal Siakam was attacking early before doubles could come, and a little bit of that was because the Pistons were a little less eager to overhelp because Precious Achua started making plays off the dribble. And Precious can absolutely take Isaiah Stewart off the dribble. He did it a couple times, and that rat, like it radically changed how the Pistons had to play the Raptors, and it gave more room to everybody. It's just, even Precious Achua, he's not giving you like heaps and heaps of creation, but just a smidge of it it completely changed how this game played out and it made it so that the Raptors almost got back into it. They're a severely limited team right now. And, you know, the, the tough part is that Scotty Barnes played a strong game offensively. Malachi played a strong game offensively. He, he played within himself. It was conservative, but it was a strong performance for him on offense. And even defensively, I didn't really have qualms with what Malachi was doing. I thought he was all right on that end. I mostly thought that Defensively, Birch and Gary Trent Jr. were the worst, especially since Scotty Barnes really came on at the end there. But my Lord, man, it's the roster composition currently means that Pascal can have just a hell of a game. Like it's absolute wizardry that he managed to shoot 67% from the field, score 28 against what the Pistons were throwing at him. Scotty getting 21 and 10 on 54% shooting. That's incredible. That's great. Malachi, within himself, four for six from the field. Precious giving you 18 points. And Chris Boucher getting five points, not a huge deal, but played within himself as well. He only took one shot that you're like, okay, maybe don't take that one. The Raptors, for the most part, played within themselves, except for Gary Trent Jr. and Pascal Siakam. Pascal was successful at stepping you know, outside of those comfort zones. Gary was not. But everybody else is playing within that single coverage and just getting to where they're comfortable for the most part. 
Scotty took, you know, three or four shots that I think were very adventurous. So that's good for him. But the Pistons weren't responding to a lot of creation very often. So they were in a very comfortable position the whole game. And it was only at the end of the game, once Precious Achua checked in, Nick Nurse had gotten the, you know, the double tech for screaming at, I believe it was Mark Davis, letting him know how he felt about how the refing had been, which, you know, Raptors fans definitely have some qualms with how that one was called. I understand that. And the Raptors went to one of their funky lineups where, you know, there's no guard. So that's why Malachi Flynn, you know, as good as he was playing within himself and, you know, just decent conservative bench guard minutes, even though he's starting, the Raptors made their run because they were playing all the long guys at once. Banton, okay, Barnes, Siakam, Achua, Boucher, right? And Gary Trent Jr. checks in for the final stretch. Banton leaves, but they're forcing turnovers on the on the piston side of the ball and running out. That helps juice up the offense. And they're doing a bunch of stuff that really helps provide their offense with fast break opportunities. And there's a little bit more offensive rebounding punch. And they're doing all kinds of stuff like that because the traditional way of breaking down the defense, they don't have the talent or the shot making to beat the Pistons in that way. And especially if Gary Trent Jr. is going four for 23, it just can't be done. And keep in mind, like Gary Trent Jr., the three three point shots he made, those aren't off the dribble pull ups. Those are, you know, catch and shoot opportunities. That's largely, those are the shots he hit in this game. There's no creation to speak of. And it's just a super limited team. The Pistons, they didn't, they didn't have their work cut out for them. They, it was just hardly work. Switch across the top, overload on Siakam. You know, if the, if the guy is in space and has to defend in isolation, I guess you see what happens. Maybe the Raptors score every once in a while, but they were comfortable with that. And for good reason. You know, the Raptors made the right decision once Nick Nurse was gone. I believe it was Adrian Griffin making the the rotation calls. He put Achua in. I think that was writing, you know, he went 5-9 and nine from the line. That matters, yes, but he was such an overwhelming positive and helped change the script of the game so much that, you know, you have to hit free throws, yes, but he was such a, he was such a positive that I, I hate to blame him too much for that because Pascal obviously was the driving force in this game. Defensively, he was really tremendous. Like, and not just not just in the second half, which is the case for most of the players here, but in the first half, Siakam was also really strong defensively. And just his ability to drive and find room on offense when there was none kind of blew my mind. But Precious tagging in and saying, I'm going to provide something too. My God. But yeah, it's, I, I do. I, I question Nick Nurse when he's playing Kem Birch like, I believe at one point it was Cam Birch had played his 20 minutes or so, and then Precious had played, I think, 9 or 12. And I just, I don't really understand or get that. I, I'm of the opinion, and, you know, when I'm on this podcast, it's not often I question the coaching. I can, I can typically break down what a coach is doing, like some nice sets that are being run, but these guys know so much more about basketball than me and are so much more in tune with the team than me that, you know, Whatever. But on this this occasion, I'll step out on a limb and I'm going to say, like, why the hell wouldn't you play Precious more? Like, it, it should not be that Precious has to come in and beat Birch for minutes. And he has to play, like, extremely well to make it seem like, okay, maybe we move off of Birch. Birch just hasn't been good this year at all. And he had, what, a nice 14-game stretch last year? 
he he convinced Raptors fans that he was going to hit the corner three and he'd be a short roll passing wizard and he'd hit every floater under the sun. But I never believed that. Birch is, you know, he's not a top 30 center and has never been. This was a guy they got on the buyout market who, you know, if things go well, is a nice backup center. But Precious has taken so many strides this year. He's played, you know, especially defensively, he's been such an incredible defender that I don't understand remotely why you would ever prioritize Birch in these games over Precious. If Precious mucks up on offense, yes, I understand. But Birch has not been playing well offensively either. And Precious is always going to give you defense. Even when he makes mistakes, he still gives you defense because of the passive rim protection and defensive rebounding that he's able to provide. I I don't understand that. And, you know, he got his big run once Nick Nurse left the game. I don't know if that decision gets made if Nick Nurse is still, you know, if he doesn't get the double tech. Who's to say, really? But because Precious not only was taking guys off the dribble, hit that big corner three, but there four possessions where he absolutely stonewalled Cade Cunningham, the number one overall pick, a highly touted prospect who can get to his own shot off the dribble. When the Raptors played the Pistons and lost 127-120, to Cade Cunningham cooked them at the end of the game. That's why they lost, because Cade beat OG Ananobi. That guy, that defender, he beat him in space on numerous occasions down the stretch, and he could not beat Precious. And Precious was really good in deny when he was helping off, when he was switching, when he was doubling guys, blitzing them. He was so sharp, and then he'd backtrack to help out on the defensive glass. I mean, he completely changed the complexion of the Raptors' defense and offense. And he's not always going to hit this high of highs, but to see him come on at the end and play the way that he did, that's why. Because, you know, Ken Birch, maybe he provides a, a, a floor that you're comfortable with. You shouldn't be, but maybe some people are comfortable with that one. But Precious is giving you the ceiling all day, man. And in this game, is pretty stark contrast because as soon as Birch leaves the game, as soon as Precious is in, everything starts going well. There's other contextual things happening, but I I wouldn't take it away from Precious to say that he's driving most of his success because he is, because he's a talented player. That's how I feel about that. The, the clutch stuff, I was really happy with how the Raptors operated in the clutch down the stretch. I thought they went to good looks. I thought they exhausted a lot of what they were trying to do. And, you know, they didn't hit all the free throws that they needed to in the fourth quarter. But they played the style, the brand of defense that they needed to to get back into the game. They succeeded at it. And this game wasn't lost in the fourth quarter. It was lost in the first, I don't know, 30 minutes of of game time when the Raptors couldn't create anything and everybody was comatose. Now, maybe if, you know, if, if you don't like Gary Trent Jr. creating late, then you don't give him as many dribble handoffs or pick and roll possessions. I'm fine with that. Even though he was shooting poorly, Gary Trent Jr. has hit enough shots in a Raptors uniform, enough difficult shots. He's gotten to enough spots that I'm okay with them going that way. Would I have preferred maybe some more Pascal Siakam stuff? Sure. But Gary got his chance, and they obviously were wary of Pascal being doubled, maybe a turnover and getting a run out the opposite way. They thought, if you know, if the ball is with Gary, he's probably going to keep it. We get a shot, even though, you know, at this point, he's like 4 of 21, We'll see what happens. I don't blame him. Gary has, you know, prior to this stretch where I guess he's now probably shooting like over the past eight games, 
Like it might even be less than 30% from the field, less than 30% from three. But still, he, he's a proven shot maker in the league. He can do it. So, you know, that, them going for that, that's fine. I would have gone Siakam, but that's fine too. And the Raptors, their defense was certainly good enough at the end of the game. The shot that Sadiq Bey made was just, you know, Boucher jumped a little bit early perhaps, but Sadiq to like step around and amongst three guys contesting the shot to flip the ball off the, you know, the glass with English to get it to go down is just really nice shot making. And the Raptors, yeah, they lost this game in the early parts of the game. They, they certainly, you can't just win every single possession. There's some sort, you know, basketball, there's a give and take. And the Raptors won as many possessions as they could late, aside from the free throws, of course. But they they just put themselves in such a hole that, you know, sometimes you deserve it, man. If if you don't do enough to stay in a game and, you know, you find yourself, you, you get there at the end, it's like you have a chance to steal, but it's like, you know, you can't just win every single clutch possession in a row. The other team is trying to make stuff happen too, and they have talented NBA players on the other side. So as crazy as the sequence of events was that brought you there, you can't just keep replicating that. You have to play more consistent basketball. You have to be there the whole game, and the Raptors weren't. That's why they lost this one. Uh, Reggie Evans Award, Scotty Barnes, yeah, that, that's my guy. I thought that he pushed in transition when he could. I thought that he was pretty aggressive getting to his spots when he saw single coverage and guys weren't really in help. I thought that was impressive. And there was a lot of running around on defense. I thought that he was like pretty poor defensively in the first half, but he really turned it up as the game went on. And I didn't see that many mistakes and his length really helped disrupt some stuff late. So he's my Reggie Evans award winner. Top quick action comment is from my guy, Lee's quote, Pascal should never, ever commit an intentional foul in transition to prevent a basket, especially early in a game. Just let them score. Not worth getting into foul trouble, end quote. I mean, yeah, this is a, this is a thing that Pascal unfairly, I would say, has to navigate. Uh, the position he's in in the Raptors defense means that, you know, like Precious, Birch, Boucher, all those guys can foul all the hell that they want. They can do whatever they want. They can foul because they don't play heavy minutes and they're, you know, they <laughs> they don't have to force themselves into these crazy tight spaces on offense and risk, you know, offensive fouls as well or anything like that. So that's a tough one too because you don't like, maybe it's, that's the prerogative of the team. Like that's, you know, one of the, that's their mission operative is like we foul because, you know, maybe we end up losing the game 108, 106 and, we can't give a guy a layup early on in the game. And, you know, I, I understand it from that point of view. But, yeah, like the, there's wisdom in saying we have to save Pascal from foul trouble literally at any point that we can because our defense does not work a lick without him and we need him to play 40 minutes a game. And, you know, he's in a tough position because he's just a tremendous defender. And you that was very clear in this game tonight. And he just he does so many things at such a high level that you just can't have him not on the floor and he has the stamina to be on the floor. So you just want to make it so like, just geez, just make sure that that guy's on the floor. You'd hate for foul trouble to be the reason he's gone. And so, yeah, I, I see the wisdom in that lease, but I don't know if that's their, you know, their MO or whatever, or if that's something that they need to change or if that's just Pascal trying to make a heads up play without thinking of the, the repercussions. 
Couldn't really say. But thanks for writing in, Lee's listener. Thanks for listening in, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.